Section two of the K Factor by Harry Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section two. That's the ideal, though, the impossible to attain in a dynamic system like a reactor. All you need is a few more neutrons around, giving you a K factor of one point zero 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 one, and you are headed for trouble. Each extra neutron produces two and your production rate soars geometrically towards bang. On the other hand, a k-factor of 0 0.9999999999 is just as bad. Your reaction is spiraling down in the other direction. To control a pile, you watch your k-factor and make constant adjustments. All this I follow, Costa said. But where's the connection with societics? We'll get to that. Just as soon as you realize and admit that a minute difference of degree can produce a marked difference of kind, you might say that a single impossibly tiny neutron is the difference between an atom bomb and a slowly cooling pile of inert uranium isotopes. Does that make sense? I'm staggering, but still with you. Good. Then try to go along with the analogy that a human society is like an atomic pile. At one extreme you will have a dying, decadent culture, the remains of a highly mechanized society living off its capital, using up resources it can't replace because of a lost technology. When the last machine breaks and the final food synthesizer collapses, the people will die. This is the cooled-down atomic pile. At the other extreme is complete and violent anarchy every man thinking only of himself, killing and destroying anything that gets in his way. The atomic explosion. Midway between the two is a vital, active, producing society. This is a generalization, and you must look at it that way. In reality, society is infinitely complex, and the ramifications and possibilities are endless. It can do a lot more things than fizzle or go boom. Pressure of population, war, or persecution patterns can cause waves of immigration. Plant and animal species can be wiped out by monetary needs or fashions. Remember the fate of the passenger pigeon and the American bison? All the pressures, cross-relationships, hungers, needs, hatreds, desires of people are reflected in their interrelationships. One man, standing by himself, tells us nothing. But as soon as he says something, passes on information in an altered form, or merely expresses an attitude, he becomes a reference point. He can be marked, measured, and entered on a graph. His actions can be grouped with others, and the action of the group measured. Man and his society then becomes a systems problem that can be fed into a computer. We've cut the guardian knot of the three L's and are on our way towards a solution. Stop. Costa said, raising his hand. I was with you as far as the three L's. What are they? A private code? Not a code. Abbreviation. Linear logic language. The pitfall of all the old researchers. All of them, historians, sociologists, political analysts, anthropologists, were licked before they started. They had to know all about A and B before they could find C. Facts to them were always hooked up in a series, whereas in truth they had to be analyzed as a complex circuit complete with elements like positive and negative feedback with crossover switching. 
with the whole thing being stirred up constantly by continual homeostasis correction, it's little wonder they did so badly. You can't really say that, Adao Costa protested. I'll admit that Societics has carried the art tremendously far ahead, but there were many basics that had already been discovered. If you are postulating a linear progression from the old social sciences, forget it, Neil said. There is the same relationship here that alchemy holds to physics. The old boys with their frog guts and awful offal knew a bit about things like distilling and smelting, but there was no real order in their knowledge, and it was all an unconsidered by-product of their single goal, the whole nonsense of transmutation. They passed a lounge, and Adao waved Neil in after him, dropping into a chair. He rummaged through his pockets for a cigarette, organizing his thoughts. I'm still with you, he said, but how do we work this back to the K-factor? Simple, Neil told him, once you've gotten rid of the three L's and their false conclusions. Remember that politics in the old days was all we are angels and they are devils. This was literally believed. In the history of mankind there has yet to be a war that wasn't backed by the official clergy on each side, which leaves you-know-who as prime supporter of the enemy. This theory is no more valid than the one that a single man can lead a country into war, followed by the inference that a well-timed assassination can save the peace. That doesn't sound too unreasonable, Costa said. Of course not. All the old ideas sound good. They have a simple-minded simplicity that anyone can understand. That doesn't make them true. Kill a war-minded dictator, and nothing changes. The violence-oriented society, the factors that produced it, the military party that represents it, none of these are changed. The K-factor remains the same. There's that word again. Do I get a definition yet? Neil smiled. Of course. The K-factor is one of the many factors that interrelate in a society. Abstractly, it is no more important than the other odd thousand we work with, but in practice it is the only one we try to alter. The K-factor is the war factor, Adao Costa said. All the humor was gone now. That's a good enough name for it, Neil said, grinding out his half-smoked cigarette. If a society has a positive K-factor, even a slight one that stays positive, then you are going to have war. Our planetary operators have two jobs. First, to gather and interpret data. Secondly, to keep the K-factor negative. They were both on their feet now, moved by the same emotion. And Himmel has a positive one that stays positive, Costa said. Neil Sidorak nodded agreement. Then let's get into the ship and get going, he said. It was a fast trip and a faster landing. The U.N. cruiser cut its engines and dropped like a rock in freefall. Night rain washed the ports, and the computer cut in the maximum permissible blast, for the minimum time, that would reduce their speed to zero at zero altitude. The acceleration sat on their chests and squeezed their bones to rubber. Something crunched heavily under their stern at the exact instant the drive cut out. Costa was unbelted and out the door while Neil was still feeling his insides shiver back into shape. The unloading had an organized rhythm that rejected Neil. He finally realized he could help best by standing back out of the way 
while the crewmen grab-lifted the heavy crates out through the cargo port into the blackness of the rain-lashed woods. Adao Costa supervised this and seemed to know what he was doing. A signal rating wearing earphones stood to one side of the lock chanting numbers that sounded like detector fixes. There was apparently enough time to unload everything, but none to spare. Things got close towards the end. Neil was suddenly bustled out into the rain, and the last two crates were literally thrown out after him. He plowed through the mud to the edge of the clearing, and had just enough time to cover his face before the take-off blast burst out like a new sun. "'Sit down and relax,' Costa told him. "'Everything is in the green so far. The ship wasn't spotted on the way down. Now all we have to do is wait for transportation.' In theory, at least, Adao Costa was Neil's assistant. In practice, he took complete charge of moving their equipment and getting it under cover in the capital city of Cates. Men and trucks appeared to help them, and vanished as soon as their work was done. Within twenty-four hours they were installed in a large loft, all of the machines uncrated and plugged in. Neil took a no-sleep and began tuning checks on all the circuits, glad of something to do. Costa locked the heavy door behind their last silent helper, then dropped gratefully on to one of the bedding rolls. "'How do the gadgets hold up?' he asked. "'I'm finding out now. They're built to take punishment. But being dropped twelve feet into mud soup, then getting baked by rockets, isn't in the original specs. They crate things well these days,' Costa said unworriedly, sucking on a bottle of the famous Himalayan beer. "'When do you go to work?' "'We're working right now,' Neil told him, pulling a folder of papers out of the file. Before we left, I drew up a list of current magazines and newspapers I would need. You can start on these. I'll have a sampling program planned by the time you get back." Costa groaned hollowly and reached for the papers. Once the survey was in operation, it went ahead of its own momentum. Both men grabbed what food and sleep they could. The computers gulped down Neil's figures and spat out tape reels of answers that demanded even more facts. Costa and his unseen helpers were kept busy supplying the material. Only one thing broke the ordered labors of the week. Neil blinked twice at Costa before his equation-fogged brain assimilated an immediate and personal factor. "'You've got a bandage on your head,' he said. "'A blood-stained bandage!' "'A little trouble in the streets. Mobs. And that's an incredible feat of observation,' Costa marveled. I had the feeling that if I came in here stark naked, you wouldn't notice it. I... I get involved, Neil said, dropping the papers on a table and kneading the tired furrow between his eyes. Get wrapped up in the computation. Sorry, I tend to forget about people. Don't feel sorry to me, Costa said. You're right, doing the job. I'm supposed to help you, not pose for the before-picture-in-home hospital ads. Anyway, how are we doing? Is there going to be a war? Certainly seems like one brewing outside. I've seen two people lynched who were only suspected of being Earthies. Looks don't mean a thing, Neil said, opening two beers. Remember the analogy of the pile? It boils liquid metal and cooks out energy from the infrared right through to hard radiation, yet it keeps on generating power at a nice steady rate. But your A-bomb at zero minus one second looks as harmless as a fallen log. It's the K-factor that counts, not surface appearance. 
This planet may look like a dictator's dream of glory, but as long as we're reading in the negative, things are fine. And how are things? How's our little K-factor? Coming out soon, Neil said, pointing at the humming computer. Can't tell about it yet. You never can tell until the computation is complete. There's a temptation to try and guess from the first figures, but they're meaningless, like trying to predict the winner of a horse race by looking at the starters lined up at the gate. Lots of people think they can. Let them. There are few enough pleasures in this life without taking away all delusions. Behind them the computer thunked and was suddenly still. This is it, Neil said and pulled out the tape. He ran it quickly through his fingers, mumbling under his breath. Just once he stopped and set some figures into his hand computer. The result flashed in the window and he stared at it, unmoving. Good, bad, what is it? End of section two.